We're in our series of more, and my message title today is called Step Up More. We often talk about stepping up and the need to step up. I say that a lot, but my experience is the louder the noise to step up, the more people are looking for somebody else to step up. They see the one need, but they don't take that need upon themselves either. So in the end result, nothing gets done. It just sits. The average, they say, is about 10% in a church. 10% of the people do 100% of the work. And before you say to me, I'm busy, please don't say that because it's almost a rude statement. It's rude in that you're saying your time is more important than mine. Or anyone else's, for that matter. Well, you don't know what I do for a living. That's fine. But you can still make choices with your time. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. We, the church, moms and dads, grandparents, we have to be about doing things that are good. In your teaching, show integrity and seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So he's talking here about the conduct of our mouth. You can say amen or ouch. You know, there are times that I'm sure things come out of your mouth that shouldn't come out of your mouth. Conversations that you partake in that you shouldn't partake in. And if a non-believer was to walk in and to hear the conversation that you were having, they wouldn't think you were a believer. Right? That's our nature. Whether we want to admit it or not, we can be critical. Right? Luke chapter 15 also talks about a man who had a hundred sheep. And he loses one. You know the story. And he steps up and leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. There was an action that needed to be taken and he took it. We have to step up, but there's also having to be a standard of what God looks like as we step up. Because we are representatives of God as we step up. We can't step up sometimes because we're living in sin and we feel guilty about it. Ever been there? Let me see your hand. Your life wasn't perfect and so you didn't step up because you just felt, Ugh. Listen, I'm going to say it straight up. That's when you should stand up. The devil knows when you're getting ready to go do something for God. And he's going to kick you hard. Really hard. Part of what God wants to do is to instill a fighting instinct inside of each and every one of us. We can't step up out of guilt or to please others. We have to step up out of love and the love that we have for God. We've got to be motivated by the right thing. There can't be an element of it being about you or me. we got to empty ourselves out. But Luke 15, the shepherd, is, is missing the one sheep and he goes after that sheep. He steps up and says, you know, he could have said, I'll count my losses. I'll let it go. But every, every single one of those sheep had value. 
Another key to stepping up is not about being recognized. It's about getting the job done and meeting the need and reaching the person. It's about going arm to arm and working with your brother and your sister. It's about partnering together with people that you have a common bond with and saying, let's do this as unto the Lord. Let's get it done. Instead of the 10% doing it all, burning out and quitting. I'm thankful we have people in this church with a lot of initiative. They want to do stuff. But maybe you're here and you're like, I got ideas, but I don't know what to do with them. Part of that is you need to connect with myself or Pastor Lorna or one of the pastors and begin to share with us what it is God's putting in your heart. And we'll begin to help you put the pieces together, but we're not going to do it for you. Because God didn't give it to me, he gave it to you. If he gave it to you, he'll anoint you to do it. If I try to do it, I'm going to fall on my face. But God will have me walk alongside you. He'll have our staff walk alongside you because we're called to equip. Hello? That means we find out what you need and we help you get it. To get it done. Isaiah's commission. Isn't there a need? In Isaiah chapter 6, this is one of the verses that God called me to ministry under. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 10, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I mean, can you just imagine that vision? The, the size of that vision. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. The angels even have their eyes fixed on the right thing. And the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke, filled with the Shekinah glory of God. Literally the presence of God so heavy that you would die. You would just drop to your knees face to the ground. That's the kind of power in the God that we serve. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. How many of you would probably feel that way in that moment? I am not qualified for this. <laughs> and I live among a people of unclean lips, so they're not qualified either. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. But then there's a response that happens in this moment. You see, when God calls you and you say yes or you're open, there's a response. There's something that God does. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So in this case, the coal, the fire, was an atoning thing. A cleansing. So now what he wasn't prepared to do, now God has prepared him to do it. But then something happens immediately after. Listen to this. 
Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? This is the verse God gave me the morning that He called me to ministry. I had never read Isaiah 6.8. He gave me three verses. He said, Isaiah 6.8, Jeremiah chapter 1 and Psalm 139. I didn't even know if that was the thing in the Bible. And I opened it. When I read it, when I read this verse, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. I began to shake and tremble. And the room disappeared. Literally, I was consumed with his presence. And he said, will you go? Here I am, Lord. Send me. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that looked like. I kid you not. I have seen blind eyes open. I have seen deaf ears open. I have seen miracles. I have seen all kinds of things that I would have never seen if I didn't go. God will bless you as you step up and go. He said, go and tell this people. This is His mandate. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. That's today, isn't it? People go to church, they sit and they listen, they hear the Word, they hear it, they hear it, they hear it, but they don't understand. They're ever seeing, but never perceiving. So they see what's going on, but they don't perceive what's happening in our world right now. People are being deceived by false prophets and false teaching all over the world right now. And people are seeing it and they're perceiving it, but they're not really understanding it. Make the heart of this people calloused. If we aren't willing to be open to what God's calling, our hearts are going to get hard. We're living in that hour. We're living in an hour where people won't tolerate sound preaching where they won't allow you to talk about the controversial subjects because they don't want to hear it. What took Stephen to his grave? Friends, we're living in that hour. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. This is what happens when we're not engaged in what God is doing in our lives. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. You know, he said yes before he knew the vision. That's what I love about this story. Like, God just gave him this mandate, but you know, God didn't give it to him until he said, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. When I was ordained, I remember kneeling down with my wife. And I had already done some ministry. And I remember our superintendent praying over us that the mantle of ministry and the Holy Spirit would rest upon us and that God would do things in our lives that we didn't understand, that would be different. He prayed a whole bunch of things. But here's the thing. We said yes before we had any idea what was coming. And I don't say that it's been perfect. Trust me when I tell you. 
I'm not going to say there hasn't been doubt. I'm not going to say there even hasn't been worry. But God has always been there when we've stepped out and done what he's wanted us to do. In 1 Samuel 17 is the story about David and Goliath. But when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and said, Why have you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. There will be people who will not be in your corner in your journey. Hear me. They're going to be there to question and doubt everything you do. Are you with me? David's response. I love his response. Now what have I done? (laughs) Typical brother response, right? Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same thing, same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and it was reported to Saul. And of course, Saul calls David. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. David was about 14, roughly. Goliath, I've shared this before, was 9.75 feet tall. Just to be, you know, rough. 9.75 feet tall. He weighed between four and 500 pounds. The metal shirt that he wore weighed 130 pounds. The tip of his spear was 15 pounds. This is a big dude. David, I'm just going to throw this out there. With his bag on his side, weighed 84 pounds soaking wet. All Scripture said about David is that he was ready and good looking. But David was hoping, like we talked already, and trusting and resting in the Lord. And God sent him there. God put him there. And he talks to Saul. And Saul is the king. He should be the one who's running into battle. He should be leading the charge. But he's hiding in a tent. And after David kind of lays out how he's going to do it, Saul says, May the Lord be with you. Go ahead. To a kid. And David steps out and he picks up those five stones and you know the story how it goes and he gets his sling. David had the Lord with him and the power of God was on him. He even quotes about the lion and the bear that he fought with his bare hands and killed while he was out taking care of his sheep. I mean, those are pretty good credentials. But David steps into the moment and I believe with all of my heart that the issue wasn't his skill or his accuracy the issue was God was with him and as he threw the stone it could have been going that way for all that mattered God just grabbed it and smashed it into his head and the scripture is clear that Goliath fell forward face down which generally speaking if you got hit in the head the physics would have knocked you backwards But literally, he laid prostrate before the entire nation of Israel. God made him bow. 
with his last breath. Friends, that's the God we serve. Bottom line is that we are all afraid at times. We are all afraid to do the things that God has called us to do. But the truth is, when we step up, he is with us.